Here we are at episode 52. You know what that means, right? That means that the podcast itself has survived a lap around the sun and we've all aged another year. It's not been a great year out there in the real world, but here in the warm embrace of decades from home, it's been a lot of fun building the show and we've hopefully learned a thing or two along the way. We have chatted about beer, football, philosophy, entertainment, news, wolves, David Hasselhoff and Schlager, to name just a few topics from the last year. It's been a ride and thanks for joining and indulging us in our foibles. If you think we've missed something important, please do reach out to us at Decades From Home on Twitter or at 40% German on Twitter or email us at 40% German at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed the shows we've put out so far, please do feel to support the show by visiting coffee.com forward slash decades from home. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com forward slash decades from home. One word where you can donate to the show. Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, Ein Jahr alt bist du, die Zeit verging im Nu. Werde grosser, wachse weiter, bleibe fröhlich du und heiter. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Simon Maddox. How are you, Simon? Yeah, I'm doing alright, thanks mate. Doing alright, and yourself? Uh, did some emergency baking, so mm-hmm. that's pretty pretty fun morning. But other than that, yeah, not a lot. It's Sunday, innit? So there's not a lot to do. Luckily, though, we are also joined this week by a special guest, Tom who hopefully has more to talk about than baking, <laughs> otherwise known as The Abroad American on Twitter, as well as Instagram. Tom has his own blog, abroadamerican.com, uh, and in his own words, a site dedicated to travel, living abroad, lifestyle, and much more. Thanks for joining us today, Tom. How are you? Uh, cringe after reading what I wrote three years ago again, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hearing it said back to me. I'm all right. I'm all right. A little have a turkey hangover from our late Thanksgiving we celebrated last night, but... I'm doing all right. Got my Conto beer. So, you know, Sunday. It's worth citing the fact that, that Tom is the first guest we've had who's turned up with a beer. We are mighty impressed. And long may this continue. <laughs> <laughs> As a former beer tour guide, I kind of I think it's I'm obliged to do that. Well, we, we appreciate it. We, we're impressed, even if some of the listeners be like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can think what they want. It's it's like 2.8%, guys. All right. And it's a small little vice beer. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's justification. That's pretty much water under Bavarian law, I think, yeah, 2.8%. Right, yeah, yeah, so we had our, our late Thanksgiving uh, last night with a bunch of – or Friendsgiving, I guess technically it would be a Friendsgiving because no family was involved and no arguments with any uncles or aunts were involved. <laughs> this is good. This is good. This sounds yeah. better than most, I think, yeah. And so you did turkey with all the trimmings, the whole shebang? Yeah, I, I love hosting. I love cooking. Uh, and so I did uh, did the turkey. I did a spatchcocked turkey mm. which is you cut the spine out of it and flatten it so it kind of cooks more evenly yeah and i've been brining since thursday and put it in the oven around two o'clock uh yesterday and it was ready by four thirty, which is much faster than a more normal turkey if i say you, you are you're a keen cook if you're spatchcocking and brining that's uh, that's, <laughs> that's impressive I don't know what either of those words are in German. <laughs> Spatchcock. Das Spatchcocking. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I have no idea. Just anything, just das, and then it works. It's in a foreign word. That's cool. So did you have other Americans with you to, to join the festivities? Uh, yeah, we had one other one, right? Just Brent. Yeah, another um, friend um, who's from Portland, actually. Okay. And his wife, who's Belgian, but lived in Portland for like 10 years, and they moved here. But yeah, no, it was it was nice. We just one other American, and then a whole smorgasbord of of other nationalities. <laughs> that sounds really cool to be able to celebrate uh, an important American holiday away from home yeah. uh, with people has got to be yeah. really special, especially in these difficult times. Yeah, it's it's quite nice, especially, you know, like you said, with Corona right now too and everything going a bit crazy. It's, we're all vaccinated. We all can kind of in 
with good conscience, you mm. know, celebrate together. And I say I'm cooking a turkey or if Thanksgiving is on the menu. People are like, okay, I'll come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would travel far and wide <laughs> to get a good bit of a good bit of turkey. That's definitely sensible choices. I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were talking about stuffing and how important stuffing was to a Thanksgiving dinner. It's, it's the star. It's the absolute star. One of the questions the presenter asked was, you're not one of them people who put sweets in it. I said, what? <laughs> you're putting like... M&Ms and raisins and shit into Oh, stuffing. no. God, I made a sage and sausage stuffing with homemade sausage. Makes it was sense. all all good. It was perfectly traditional, and it was everyone's favorite of, <laughs> of the night. Uh, but no, maybe that's referring to like a sweet potato, like souffle or something. So Americans do like mar- marshmallows in sweet potatoes. Oh, I see, like, I, I'm totally bang into that. So, like, I'm totally bang into Like, and, and as soon as you say, like, Americans do this, I'm always like, yeah, that's probably something I'd want to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a thing in America, at least. Yeah. I, luckily, I never experienced it. My sweet potato uh, mix was always... The sweetness coming from the potatoes themselves. Um, we had one last night that had like a, a sweet potato. I guess it's souffle, but like with like a brown sugar crust. Mm. It was very sweet. And everyone's like, this is a dessert. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, it goes with the savory, sweet and savory together. <laughs> There's this certain like states, like the, the, the sort of south produces quite sweet, savory combinations when it comes to Thanksgiving. Yeah, like yeah. I've heard, I've heard that at least. Right. So I, I deleted a tweet a few, a few weeks ago because it was about thanksgiving oh and i was like why don't why don't the british celebrate thanksgiving because ultimately like it's all the things we enjoy it's it's bad history and stealing other people's land and i deleted it right because i was yeah. like it's too much right it's just too much and who needs to hear a british guy say that no one right yeah, yeah. Hmm. right hmm. yeah so i like i just i was like leave it i'm i'm being attention seeking on twitter so i'll not i'll not post that right but i, I do contend right because after this year was the first time I'd seen anyone in Britain go to a pumpkin patch picking event. Oh, God, it's spreading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah. Amer- American. Um, I've got this theory, right? Since Brexit, we haven't really got, we've moved away from European culture <laughs> and we'd never really had a culture before. So we're like taking on loads of American things. Like, so five guys, yeah. everyone freaks out about mm. five guys and American TV. Crispy cream. Which is not a problem. It's not like, I, I'm not one of those people who's like, ooh, soccer. Regimes and rock and roll. Yeah, like, it's, I, I mean, American culture is popular because people like it. I mean, it's it's popular because it's good. Most of the time, it's like well-made or it's highly produced. But the first time I'd seen Britons go into a pumpkin patch and picking their own pumpkins, and it was very sort of Americana, and they went to like a ghost yeah. house, and there was a sort of hayride and stuff, and I was like, this is wild. So here's my question to you. How long before Britain just starts celebrating, or England specifically, starts celebrating Thanksgiving? I feel like it's already happened. Maybe not in a general, like as a general basis of like, there's some, you know, members of parliament tweeting about it or something like mm-hmm. that but it's i feel like there are definitely people in england who maybe like studied abroad in the u.s and like still celebrate friendsgiving with their friends because mm-hmm. i have a bunch of friends from from all over england they would definitely do that <laughs> see that's what I, that's what i thought i was like i mean there's a lot of people probably invited by friends to go to a yeah like if you have an american friend you're probably celebrating thanksgiving but i get a feeling that there's like a point in time in about 25 years where it just people celebrate thanksgiving and they don't really know why they can't really remember why it is they're celebrating Thanksgiving, but but they're doing it anyway. It's just always turkey. Well, well, the thing I always thought as well, I don't know what you think, Simon. I always thought it was quite a sensible holiday. It's like a little breakup between Christmas. You have Halloween, everyone get, has like a good time, and then you have like a public holiday and a week, a long weekend with Thanksgiving, and maybe go do some shopping, 
and then you have Christmas. And I was like, that's just that's sensible holiday structures. It, does, it makes a huge amount of sense for that part of the year, for sure. I mean, my, my main concern and main reason I wouldn't want it in England is I just get horrendously fat every winter, <laughs> just <laughs> feasting for months. No, I, I, I don't think I can do it. I've already got enough, portly enough, thank you. Yeah, that's probably a good reason not to. But whenever I see a, a sign in Germany that says Black Week oh, or Black no. Day, or oh, like, and I'm like, that's, an, that's, that's one of the negative Jesus, sides of yeah. like... Uh, sort of a, a spread of american culture is like there's like some there's some honky english going yeah, on yeah yeah <laughs> some really bad like phrasing i'm like black week like sounds like a, you're in mourning yeah, or something you know? definitely it's, i got one on instagram that was mm. uh, i got one on instagram that was black vegan it's like that's a descriptor of a yeah person. i think that's, that's, not an, that's not an anger board <laughs> i was in um Falmark the other week for picking up the turkeys because that's the only place i could reliably find frozen turkeys is in, in the Falmarkt. And they have like these announcements that come over, over like the PA of the store, like the coupons this week and all shit like that. And, uh, as part of our Black Week, or at the title, it's like a Black Week Angebot. It's like, oh man, oh, I don't God. like hearing that over the PA. <laughs> That's just a little weird. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, it just the phrasing seems a bit sort of bizarre, but that spread. Like, I remember when I first came to Germany and I was doing classes and would show. Like, this is, what, 2012, probably? And I'd show, like, as soon as Thanksgiving came up, I was like, oh, it's my classes planned because I'd just do, like, consumerism and Black Friday, <laughs> right? And you just show loads of videos of people, like, wigging out on Black Friday, smashing down doors. Walmart TVs. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and then I remember it slowly seeing stuff from Britain. And I remember one year, it must have been about 2015, where, like, there was the first year you saw proper queues of people waiting outside and now it's just dead regular it's just dead normal it has to be as amazon surely that spread that around but mm-hmm. well yeah because they have all the you know they have their mo- cyber monday was a thing yeah yeah kind of i guess it still is but i don't see as many ads for it or didn't this year at least yeah this year did seem a bit more tepid than normal yeah yeah i still i think if you go on amazon right now and it's probably still like black month deals you know mm. <laughs> yeah black and black month yeah, yeah. It's very just, ah, oh, the phrasing's horrible. Uh, we've spoken before, a long way back now, about how we moved to Germany. Nick, as we know, moved for love because he's a massive bloody romantic. <laughs> and I moved for work. Tom completes a shiny new trifecta as he moved here for studies. Uh, so, Tom, what was your experience of studying in Germany to get your master's? Way less homework. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was way less cost as well. That was kind of the mm-hmm. driving factor uh, for me. Like It was like a vac- long two-year vacation, essentially, <laughs> where I just got to be in a new country, learn a new language. plan was always to go back, but that obviously didn't happen <laughs> for a lot of reasons we can get into. <laughs> it was a really nice... I, I studied at the TU, the Technical University here in Munich, um, really well-known university, uh, really well-known in the field that I studied, which is like urban planning, traffic planning. Okay. And it was a really nice, I had really good professors, met a lot of new friends. Obviously, I think that makes moving here a lot easier when you have like a a common thing that binds you and new people Mm -hmm. together, like doing a program together and still keep in touch with a lot of them. Uh, Play D&D with some of them. Relationship has changed over time. Uh, and it's really just nice to kind of have that base when I moved here. That's really cool. And so when you came to this decision back home, did your, what did your family think? And what did your friends uh, at school think? Did they think you were crazy to leave the US and, and study abroad? Or were they all super supportive and just go to Germany? It'll be great. I think most people were supportive. A lot of people were like, how are you possibly going to do this? Because it's not very common that uh, you know, mm-hmm. a random person from the US just picks up and moves his life to another part of the world my parents were supportive they i think my mom is probably very you know misses me and my dad too of course but like i think they both expected because i expected you know like i said to only be here for two years or two years Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit but now they get it 
I'm just, this is my life now. I live here now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's it. <laughs> like, I remember I used to get asked a lot of times, when are you going to go back? Which is always a nice thing to hear from someone you're having a conversation <laughs> with. So, so when do you plan to go and pack? All right, am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tiresome. Well, I think ultimately it's whether you, there's a point in time where you just, you get so many years in. It seems like, yeah, quite mm -hmm. difficult to go backwards. Or I think I'd find it really difficult to live in Britain now. I'd find it really frustrating and really annoying. Yeah, you guys have talked about reverse culture shock before. And I think I've written about it. I don't know. Whenever I go back to the US, which it has not been for quite some time now, it's always just like, I, ugh, everything annoys me. <laughs> it's very much like, I, I'm happy where I am <laughs> now. Yeah. I think for me, when I go back, you tend to see, I'm not sure if this is a British disposition, it probably is, is you tend to see a lot of negatives and you end up being that person who, because you know there's that particular, and I use the word expat, although it's not a word, word I like to refer to myself mm. with or other people particularly, but when I, what I mean by a proper expat and they turn up and they're like, why doesn't, why doesn't the yes. shop sell Heinz beans like in a prominent position? Or like, <laughs> I can't, I can't get Carling. And you're like, why the fuck did you come here? Like, yeah. And, and like, sometimes there's little things. Like, I know a lot, of, a lot of Americans who get, especially around this time of year, get antsy about pumpkin pie mix and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Toy Town, Germany, just full of that. Yeah. But there's like little touches of home that you want. And I get that. And someone going, I can't get pum pumpkin pie mix is like, yeah, okay. But it's when people are like, raging about sort of stuff that you're obviously never going to get in in another country you know it's like why can't i watch the bbc on my television without having to get a vpn and you're like because you live in a fucking other country but i have the reverse when i go to britain i have to keep my mouth like closed because uh they see so many things that are just pure shit or like people mm -hmm. in situations where in Germany, it wouldn't happen because people would just be like, how, why are you doing that? And the person would go, oh, I'm doing this. Oh, well, you're an idiot then. You need to not do that. It's almost like you walk into like a, a Regency drama where everyone's like, it's like a, a, a comedy of manners or something like that, where everyone's sort of fallen over themselves. It's also really challenging that both countries, the US and the UK, have a sense of superiority ingrained in the culture. So if you go, that's better mm. in Germany, people just go, whoa, 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 mm. get really upset yeah, about being confronted exactly. by the fact that it might not yeah. be the best where yeah. they are. No, no, no. Our healthcare system is the best in the world, of course. <laughs> it's the most expensive, so I get yeah. number one. Therefore, I the so. best. <laughs> <laughs> what really annoys me when I go back to the States is like the commercialization of stuff, just how everything mm -hmm. is an advertisement for everything. And I just like, why do you, why do you got to do that? Like, I, it just, and then I, my parents have the TV on or something like that. I'm like, this is just, it's all advertisements. Even the show you're watching is just a sponsored ad. Like it really, that bothers me. And the, I come back here and I don't watch any TV. And even if I did, it would be, you know, public TV, which has way less ads. Like, they do have some ads now, don't they? I know I watch everything through the media take, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife and I, we just watched some Superstore on Netflix, which seems to be created for the singular purpose of comedy being performed in front of brands. Oh, like, God. In yeah, every single yeah. shot there was a brand that I recognize. It's like, this isn't by accident, yeah. of course. This is pure capitalist TV that just happens to make me laugh at the same time. It was an unnerving realization. Like in your average sitcom where they have the very conspicuous Pizza Hut box and Coca-Cola bottle sitting in the edge mm -hmm. of the couch, like, oh, well done, product placement, guys. It's not inconspicuous. <laughs> it was definitely one of the things I appreciated about Portland, Oregon, was that that 
wasn't as ubiquitous as it was. There's a lot more of a fuck you culture. But people recognize it there, yeah, yeah. They, they don't really do that in Tattoo, do they? There's not like a Maggie <laughs> sauce bottle like sitting on the table or like Dr. Utker box or something, you know. Like an eating of ice beer. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that, that begs the question, what would they advertise on Tattoo? Because I think those are three products yeah. that you would totally, totally generic bullshit products. <laughs> like an espresso <laughs> machine? I don't know, on like, yeah. like the commandant's desk, like a very like, just in the middle of his desk, an espresso machine like three selected capsules for it <laughs> yeah and you look it up and it costs like four grand oh. and you're like how like, whenever someone tells me they've bought a coffee machine i'm just like don't tell us how much tell them don't tell us how much three grand 350 oh, right, okay. no 300 bucks i spent on one <laughs> yeah it's just like why would you spend that anyway but yeah i've just totally be one of those things so, so the three of us are based in three of the major cities in bayern slash bavaria nuremberg augsburg and munchen uh so tom was bayern always the plan uh not actually no uh when i was applying for universities in germany i applied to one here one in hamburg one by frankfurt and one kind of by aachen Mm -hmm. in the northwest or in the west and i got into all but one of them then i realized too late that the frankfurt one was a private school and was going to cost like three grand for a semester and so that was that fell out (laughs) (laughs) so it was really between hamburg and munich and i had friends in both cities or at least a contact in both cities Mm And I've ended up choosing Munich because I always want to live next to the mountains and uh, have a chance to go just skiing whenever I want, which is fantastic. Because mm-hmm. coming from Chicago, there's you need to fly to get to, <laughs> to ski anywhere within a reasonable lot of time. And you can go to Wisconsin. There's like some large hills up there, but they're all, you know, not exciting. <laughs> uh, but I'm very happy here in Bayern. It's, it's, now it's the plan, I think. Uh, you know, uh, unless we, you know, have our zombie apocalypse and uh, I need to move to the woods or something. <laughs> That's perfect, man. You're in the perfect place. Just up the mountains. Just You're, you can yeah. follow the trail of me and Simon leaving behind. Like. Yeah, the romantic road down to Garmisch Patenkirchen or wherever it goes. <laughs> it's fucking obvious to me. I don't understand why anyone would do anything different. We just get, get to the mountains, man. It's the way to go. I don't really, I don't really ski that much. Because it was it was quite it was what the posh kids did in Britain, I think. Whereas here, yeah, it's kind yeah, of yeah. like a, it's a hobby that everyone can engage in mostly. But yeah. um, it's expensive still. I, I'm just scared <laughs> of. I'm, I know that's how I'll die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very conservative skier. Like I definitely like I. The first time I go down a new a new route or a new pista, like I'm always just like okay. I don't know what's around that corner. I'm just going to go real slow and see. And then there's like five-year-old kid just like bombs next to me <laughs> way past. Like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm trying to be, I'm still learning. Yeah, it's disheartening <laughs> being overtaken by a string of children all connected to each other doing pizza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> being there. Laughing at you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my wife skis like she's got 20 lives. It's just it's terrifying watching her just like straight down the hill bombing. And <sighs> yeah, I'm conscious of the fact that my knees are already sawdust. Yeah, it's, it's really not an activity <laughs> I enjoy. It's like da- dance like no one's watching. Ski like you've got 20 lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm the same as Simon. Like I've got basically, I've, I've just got sandpaper between all mm. my joints and my knees from playing rugby. So I'm just, I'm one, I'm one toffee hammer away from like some serious yeah. surgery. You know, it's like a little tap on my knee and I'll be, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's me with robot knees yeah so do you do do you do hiking as well or is it all just skiing yeah for sure um i hiking is my preferred actually because you don't need to like get up to get by the pass get the skiing and all the all the equipment and stuff hiking is a lot of fun and we go every year um with my girlfriend's um uh, family and like they're kind of like group of friends so it's like kind of a bunch of older people then me and my girlfriend and maybe like her sister or something like that comes along as well we go down to fronten mm-hmm. uh, down in Algoy in Fusen. Oh, that's really nice down there yeah it's beautiful yeah it's really nice they've been going there for like 30 years together these this group of like you know family friends from 
Rheinland-Pfalz. Do they have one of those Vereins, like a sort of one of them rental homes that's stocked up with loads of booze and stuff like that, and you have to pay you have to pay a little <laughs> fee at the door? Or I something. wish. It's just a bunch of friends that go down there, and they, mm. they were going to the same like uh, apartment for a long time, and the lady ended up like she got too old and had to like close it down and sell it off, and like made like four times as much oh, on the sale than she ever you know yeah. in, insane turned into apartments now i think that's generally what we do is we'll go we'll go hiking and that's kind of the nicest the nicest adventure really but like the idea of you know, slapping on a snowboard just petrifies us <laughs> i think i'll save my hips for for, for another another situation for, for the next 30 years yeah yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> I think we've discussed Indian food on the podcast before and it being a bit of a, a raffle when it comes to finding quality Indian food. In fact, I posted on Twitter about going to find Indian food and that I didn't know if it was going to be spicy or not. Loads of people were quite derogatory of the average Indian restaurant in Germany and apparently in the north they're all terrible, but I've got three around me that are just fantastic. I was just wondering what your thoughts were, both of you, on sort of spicy food and why spicy food isn't so prevalent in Germany. What what do you think it is that's that's made it so the only spicy thing you're probably going to get is a Feuerwehr <laughs> versed at a Christmas market or a curry verse and even curry verse isn't that spicy but anyway what do you, what do you guys think I, maybe it's like a historical reason where after the war spices like it was more expensive or something and it just wasn't very common in the in the food to have it i don't it's a very interesting sociological question that i would like to see you know read a paper on or something but i i don't know <laughs> i am too plagued by the the lack of at least variety of food and quality variety of food even in munich it's not uh, what you expect mm. coming from chicago is a great food city where you can get anything you want in any form, any time. Like you said, you know your good Indian restaurants, and there are a good few here that we order from or we go to. I was lucky enough to have an Indian friend um, mm-hmm. from Pune that like scouted out some places <laughs> for for us and took us to a couple good ones. Other than that, I have a real problem finding good Mexican food because I I could just eat mm-hmm. Mexican food for the rest of my life and that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. And it's I just ended up learning how to make it myself <laughs> just because <laughs> yeah. it, 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 everything here disappoints me in some way. There are a couple okay places and they have like a couple good dishes, but ne- like then the rest of the menu is not good. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think it's coming. I hope it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> There's optimism there. I like that. I mean, I think you're right. Mexican is often interpreted as like Tex-Mex uh, yeah. more than anything. And it's real middle of the road, safe food um mm-hmm. and a couple of episodes ago i said that if i had to have one food for the rest of my life it'd also be mexican yeah. there's so much diversity there the spice blends are incredible and it's always a bit of a failing here uh, i mean Bayern seems to be one of the worst spots for it occasionally you see on twitter someone in berlin saying they found a good one mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah but uh yeah in, in nuremberg there is there is no good mexican yeah every, everything good's in berlin because yeah. you're not here no but it's, it's only the... it's only good if you're not there if you're there you must say it's shit <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah of course obviously in britain there's the the M- imperial connection so i'm not expecting that to be I'm not expecting there to be lots of Mexican restaurants or Indian restaurants. And obviously, in America, you border Mexico, so there's going to be a transfer. It is surprising, given how a lot of American culture, like we've said, 
is picked up. But the Indian the Indian food thing, I think, is is a is a funny one because it's not a food that I expect many Germans would want to engage in because I don't feel mm. like a, a lot of Germans that I know are quite adventurous eaters. Mm. But I think it's like a staple in Britain at this point when you can buy it yeah. in little microwavable trays in the supermarket to buy make yourself at home. That's when you know you've kind of hit the Well, those, those do appear now. You do see them at Reva, at least. They have a couple of Indian curries and Thai curries it, ready yeah. to go in. Is it a korma? It is a korma and it's a butter chicken. Fucking and korma. maybe a madras. Grass. maybe there's something get get out heading towards hot <laughs> but uh yeah you're right it's, it's very different <laughs> yeah butter chicken yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i always feel like there is i mean there's ethiopian restaurants there's like yeah but like i know vietnamese food's really popular like it's yeah. a, like really really mm-hmm. popular around in the south of germany and it's curious that like vietnamese food's popular but indian food isn't and i, I, I can't work out quite why that why it is that they've just gone right we're going to eat one type of foreign spicy food, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's Vietnamese. We can only have one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The market can only sustain one of these. So I wonder, though, as a follow-up question, which which German food would benefit from having some, some heavy Scovilles added to it to make it a bit spicier, a bit hotter? Oh, man. I think sausages generally, like some better spiced sausages. Mm. Like I miss Italian-style oh, sausage yeah. here because in the U.S. that's everywhere. And here you can't find it. You just find like the closest thing to like an Italian style sausage is maybe like a Nuremberger, but even then it's very mild mm. and it's just like salt and pepper flavor, really. You see, Tom, you've gone for the food jugular there, haven't you? <laughs> you've gone straight for the sausages, straight for the straight for the Nuremberger. <laughs> I mean, I love I love the German sausages. Don't get me wrong. I just want a little bit more. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to just be a Feuerwurst or a, mm. a Depreziner or whatever mm. uh, to have some spice. I just would like maybe people experiment a little bit, make their own sausages. And actually, that is there is a place in Munich called Gute Nachtwurst, uh, which has like different spice levels, like from one to seven. And like mm. seven is too much for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm a spicy food eater. Uh, and they have like various types of sausages there as well, but it's mostly just the sauce that is the spicy bit. Yeah, I can I can think Spätzle would be quite good if I had a bit more to it than just cheese. <laughs> Spice and cheese yes. would work. Yes. Yeah, so like Kei Spätzle with what? With chilies yeah. or what's your Fresh spice chilies preference? Would be a bit, a bit oh. of knack, bit of, a bit of yes. bite in there as well as the spice. Yeah. I'd, I'd eat that for sure. I would do. I would think fresh chilies or like laogon ma like that fermented mm. chinese chili paste in there would do really well with some spritz oh my stuff. god i'm so hungry. yeah i didn't eat either this is a huge mistake <laughs> i i started at the top by by mentioning my emergency baking we've got friends who've been locked down and uh they're both doctors they've got three oh, kids no. they've been locked down i feel really bad for them so we're sending them a delivery of baked goods because god that's got to cheer you up mm-hmm. at some point we received a tin of plechian from my mother-in-law but we haven't made yeah. any yet and my God, they're so good. It's just like, why would you bother making them? Like when you just mm-hmm. ask for pre-order from uh, various relatives. But have you, have you, are you guys baked any? Have you eaten platefuls of them or, or what's going on? Uh, we haven't baked any. We have gotten a package from my, I guess, mother-in-law, you could say, mm-hmm. but we're not married, but I mean. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you, there is no term. So we'll just go with mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mother-in-law. We have a package that is sitting under the couch under the pile of tax documents. Is that the reward for getting through the tax? <laughs> <laughs> no, that I'll never eat them. <laughs> yeah, my wife had a bit of a kick the last few days in the kitchen. We got given uh, housewarming at our old apartment 
uh, a jar that had all the ingredients of, I think they were called Knusperplätzchen. We made them and they were delicious. So if one of our listeners was the one that gave it to us at housewarming, thank you. We don't remember who gave it to us, but they were delicious. It was me! Was it you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Well, I wish it had been. That would have been great. There, there's definitely a female influence on it because everything was really beautiful and elegant. It definitely wasn't one of the lads that gave us these. And then my wife did a load of um, her standard biscuits that are lovely and then decorated them nice. in all sorts of glazes and so now i do have multiple tins uh that i it's that difficult line where i have to eat enough that she knows that i like them but i can't eat so much that i get even fatter than i would have already gotten uh, it's a, it's a tightrope i'm struggling with i'm just going to drive past your house and you can just sprinkle them out the window and i'll catch them in a net yeah. and take them away with us because i'd eat I have no worries. I've 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 come to the point of, of of being a father where I'm like, no one cares what I fucking look like. <laughs> like <laughs> let's just let's just eat all this stuff. Yeah, I, I just I can't like I eat some sugar, then I just will stand and eat like over the sink an entire tin without even a second thought. <laughs> Apparently, it's evolutionary because humans, when they, they they come into contact with sugar, it would usually be like fruit that was ripening on a tree. And that, mm-hmm. and, and certainly in the point of evolution, you we have to eat it. Yeah, we had to, you had to eat it because you couldn't store it, and you you didn't want to get eaten by something that was higher on the food chain. So you just eat like as much as you could, and then fucking run away. Uh, but I don't really <laughs> run away. I kind of like slouch away in, in guilt and shame. But <laughs> oh god, it's so good. So you're bl- blaming lizard brain for this then? But, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, I go at the bakery, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'll just get some Volcorn bro, and then I'll get like some <laughs> sort of sensible semel, and, and this be fine. Well, they look so good then, in the bakery. And then there's like a, just like trays of them, and I'm just like, I'll just buy 16 of those and eat them in the car before I come. <laughs> like, it's, it's taking me over. It's really bad. Have they replaced the sausage rolls then in your eating in the car habits? I've just given up on sausage rolls. I'm like, <laughs> I'm never going to get one until I go back to Britain. And like, I'm pretty much not going back to Britain now, so... Um, certainly not this year. Um, I had to phone all my family members and go, uh, it's probably, probably not going to be arriving. So I, yeah. I'll have to, ma- I can make them, but it's like every, I have to make everything. I'm so fucking tired of making stuff. I'm <laughs> yeah. so, oh God. I don't know if you saw the video posted. I think it was posted yesterday on Twitter that an American girl in Newcastle, uh, standing in front of a Greg's. And she's like, this is the best place you got to come here. It's GR Eggs. <laughs> and someone walks past like, no, it's Greg's love. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't know. It just felt suspect that. It did feel a bit sad. Like, why would you I think guess. it's GR Eggs? Like, why would you think that? Because that's- it's breakfast place. We don't have many <laughs> Greg's with two G's in America, maybe? Uh-huh. I just, like, I can't. Like, I can't believe there's someone that dense. I just, I, I have too much optimism about society, like society and human nature that, ooh, oh man, I don't know about that. Is it J.K. Rowling's fault? Harry Potter fans, just like every English name has <laughs> two initials at the start. Yeah. <laughs> you posted this week, Nick, uh, someone holding a sword and apparently you want a sword now. What's your plan? Does your wife approve? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, she doesn't approve of any of my ideas. I'm, I'm basically just a, I'm the family loose cannon just <laughs> doing stupid shit. I don't know, like... I never thought about it before, and I was like, I could like, I could have a sword, couldn't I? I could just buy a sword. That would be fun <laughs> to have a sword, like just on hand in case you never know. In case you need to slay a dragon or like some orcs attack, I've got a, a hoard of gold under the house. That I'm, oh shit! I've, I've told people, um, and I need to buy two swords. Um, I don't know. I just I, the person in the picture that I retweeted looked so like pleased. <laughs> but I was like that. I want that joy. I want the joy that only comes with the sword. So that's really what it is. And you can't deny that having a sword would be one of the more fun things to occur in your life. 
Is there a particular movie sword that you want? I don't want a movie sword. I want like a sword that of specifications dictated by me. What, what are we going for here? Spy hen? Yeah. Uh, broad sword? Yeah, yeah. I mean, has to, I'm, a big, I'm a big lad, so I think some kind of bastard sword would be what I'm looking for. Something that, that like, something that terrify the shit out of people. But like, what you want is something that if somebody broke in and they saw the silhouette of you in the in the doorway with a fucking sword, they'd be like, nope. <laughs> the wrong house. Again, I think it might be an age thing. I'm going to end up collecting like weapons on and build a bunker underneath the house. Yeah, that's pretty much what's going to happen. <laughs> Nick, where are you putting those tins of beans? I'm putting them in the bunker. There's something about it. I can't work it out. I feel like I'm not alone. Simon's looking at me like I've just I've just outed myself as the weirdest <laughs> motherfucker. Like he's got this like dismissive look on his face. You telling me you don't want a sword on your wall? Is that what it, is that what you're telling us? I, I don't. No. In fairness, if I was going to go in in the sort of direction of having a weapon on my wall, it would be a hatchet of some kind be viking inspired i think more than some two-handed longsword but i mean also i i i mentioned movies and i would have to go the highlander sword um yeah oh what the 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 katana yeah oh that's pretty badass very nice piece of kit and then like you could be the kurgan and then hello pretty (laughs) that's the only line i remember (laughs) i've watched that film so many times i can never remember any of the kurgan's lines because it's christopher lambert's lines are all amazing all the way through. The other big one is just Nan. <laughs> he rips the roof off the car and sees a grandma. Nan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, the the line where he's in he's in the Second World War and there's a Wehrmacht soldier like shoots him and he falls down and on top of the the little girl and he he, he like dies and then wakes up and then looks at her and goes. Uh, like it's a kind of magic, and then he starts, that's not even the best line. He stands up, and the guy like shouts at them in German, and he goes, "Whatever you say, bub, you're the master race." <laughs> Just guns him down. He's like, "Oh, it's so good." Like imagine writing that line. Like it's so satisfying. It's one of the most satisfying movies I've seen in a very long time. But uh, anyway, maybe maybe next week I'll buy a sword. So Simon might not be so excited with the idea of purchasing a sword, but he has a, a weapon of sorts that he talked about last week. A weapon, certainly, against the, the evils of, of snow. <laughs> so, Simon, did you get a chance to use your snow shovel this week? I have. I got to use it. I got to use it. And is it as good as you hoped? It's, it's glorious. Um, I don't know how many of the neighbours have seen it and been like, wow, he's really, he's doing it right. Uh, but I definitely felt like I was the coolest kid on the street. Uh, with my beautiful metal shovel. And yeah, I cleared the fuck out of my street, I have to say. It, was, it looked beautiful. Did you get like a, su- a salute from your neighbours? One like, of them well did. Done. He did give me a hearty servus. So I think that that's, <laughs> that shows that he approved. Um, we had snow yesterday as well, and I, I wasn't in a fit state because I'd been boosted and I felt like shit. So my wife got to use it yesterday, and even she was complimentary about my new snow shovel. So yeah, 30 euros well spent. I'm happy. Is it titanium? What's so special about this shovel? Uh, I don't know if it's titanium. It's definitely metal. I'm assuming it's steel. Like a special form or something? Not especially, no. It's just a good, solid shovel. Exactly. I mean, when I asked Nick about it, he just said, get a metal one. And when I went to Orbi... There were a few metal ones. You can spend serious money on metal snow shovels. Mm-hmm. And this one was in my price range and looked pretty. <laughs> That's about as much as I cared about at that point. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel vindicated, totally vindicated with my choice. I feel a bit lost when I go to DIY stores. I went to one yesterday and I've been going to ones all sort of all summer for since we moved into the house. And I mean, I find this in, sh- in supermarkets anyway, but the the sort of arrangement of stuff 
is sometimes purely logical and you're like, I'll go in this aisle and I'll find this. And then you'll be looking for other things and you're like, shouldn't these things be together? And they're not. So like you have, you had tools for gardening, tools for uh, general use in the house. And I, what I was looking for was something to scrape glass, uh, rub like um, latex off of, off of glass because uh, we're getting a new Holtz oven. And um, all the tools for any kind of decorating were like literally at the other end of the shop. And I'm just like, why do you just have all the fucking tools together? Like, why are you why are you making me walk past all the like toilets and fucking kitchens and stuff like that to just get one small item that costs two ninety nine? But um, I just always feel a bit inadequate. Maybe like, I felt I felt I was part of the the DIY society in August when I was knocking around in my like old clothes and paint splattered all over us. I felt like I got respect, and I turned up yesterday with a like clean <laughs> and everyone didn't get a second look no one even get, cared dismissive that's how they were i have to totally agree with you there i feel like when mm-hmm. i go into the tomb which is like the the baumarkt kind of close to me here in the city i feel like time stops and you just could spend four hours in there and not notice it and it just you, <laughs> i need this one specific size with specific thread screw and i'm looking in these shelves and they all just blending together in your in your in your vision mm. just like i don't know where this possibly could be it should be here the, the thing that do really well here is choice because if you go to a, like if you need a tool that's so hyper specific they generally have it and it's hidden but you'll, you'll they'll have it and usually what i do is i check online first before mm-hmm. i go but you do get um if you go to like the same kind of place in Britain that have like two kinds of anything. It's like, you've got two drills, that's it. <laughs> and in Germany, it's like, we've got 17 drills. Yeah. And they're, they're all for special uses. And, and I like that aspect of it. Well, I did find one niche market that maybe we could enter with branded decades from home version of this is that uh, we were looking for, Go on, uh, then. I'm not even sure what the English word for it is, but some uh, like a, a blocker for our door, something you put at the bottom of the door to stop air coming in. I now know it's called a Zugluftstopper oh, right. uh, in German. Yeah. yeah. And um, went to Orbi to try and get one because we had a drafty front door. And my, my wife didn't know the word for it either. And so she's explaining it in German to a German. He's like confused visibly. And I have to Google it. And I saw some in the shop, but they had animals. So it's like the head of a dog at one end and its back legs at the other. It was cute, but ridiculous. I don't want that in my house, 365. And at the end, after Googling it and shouting, it's high Zugluftstopper, the guy was like, no, no, these Tira, just the animal ones. Uh, So, yeah, I think there is a gap in the market uh, for (laughs) reasonable adult Zugluftstoppen. Yeah. A modest. We can do a kebab shape one as well, just to to keep the the audience happy. <laughs> but, uh, I'm gonna. I'm, this has to change. I'm gonna get the research and development team on this. I think it's a yeah. it's a good way of making making a bit of money before Christmas. We will see. Um, what else has happened this week? Yeah, and Merkel had her her send off her official leaving party. Unlike usual leaving parties at offices, there was no awkward handshakes or hugging. Uh, there was an awkward stare down with a, a military officer that I watched online. But um, the the form in which the leaving party took was so weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we'll we'll talk about it, right? So basically, <laughs> Mer- Merkel's leaving do consisted of a very public military tattoo, essentially. So you had mm. the soldiers in their in their dress uniforms performing various musical collaborations with the military band, and apparently, as, as the leaving chancellor, you get the option of choosing three of the songs that they will play. And there was a lot of fuss made over one of the choices, which was a Nina Hagen 
song, uh, which was Du hast den Farbfilm vergessen. You forgot the color film, uh, which was an 80s. I think it's 80s or was it early, uh, late 70s? I can't remember. But uh, she also chose For Mick Souls Rota Rosen Regen or It Should Rain Red Roses for Me, which is a, a 1960s sort of melancholic song. And the third song that was played was an 18th century Christian hymn called Holy God, We Praise Thy Name, which was probably connected to the fact she's the daughter of a protestant pastor but um there's a lot of media like like talking about how surreal it was and how weird it was and i watched it and i wasn't i wasn't overwhelmed by the surrealism of it but um i wonder what you guys think did you guys watch a merkel's leaving event i just experienced it via twitter (laughs) 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 just see all the americans be like what the hell is this (laughs) what are the germans up to again (laughs) yeah well why do you think the americans got so like it's the helmets and the torches you can't you just can't do that it's just (laughs) you gotta change it you can have the marches you can do all that that's fine but the the helmets and the torches it just like looks like world war one because it's the gray uniforms too Mm -hmm. just looks like the iron army marching into belgium it's like (laughs) please don't (laughs) do you think they should be they should be required to wear like really elaborate sort of stupidly colorful uniforms like they're all in pink or something so they look less less worrying for people i feel like they shouldn't have a military involved at all it's a civil ceremony i kind of disagree i think they should reclaim everything i think they should use torches and all that shit and and like let the let the nazis have nothing that's what my my policy on it right it's like like take all the visuals and go like nah they're ours that this is how we do things go fuck yourself because i don't think they deserve anything but um, I understand why people would be slightly wigged out by German soldiers carrying torches. That's kind of logical. But at the same time, I was like, in every other country, they would do this. Like, they wouldn't bat an eyelid if France had a military parade honoring their president. I mean, they'd have to have a president that lasted more than like 25 minutes, which seems to be the going rate in France. But they, I mean, everywhere else would do this. Like, the US would do it. Britain would do it. I don't find it particularly... No, but no I, I'm not sure we would, though. Because of the structure in the UK of monarchy and, and government, like when David Cameron left office or when Tony Blair left office, there was no military parade for them, as far as I remember. Aye, but the Queen... But the queen. The, the, yeah, absolutely. When it comes to monarchy and, and leadership of the nation, mm. all guns will be blazing for that kind of celebration. That separation between politics and monarchy does make it a little bit different uh, back home. But yeah, I'm sure if you asked those leaders, do you want a military fanfare they'd be like yes please i would like the red arrows spitfires flying over but they would do that for every civil event we do it for for the jubilees we do it for like there's no Mm -hmm. seriously celebrated national event that doesn't involve a lancaster bomber and some shiny looking soldiers on horseback and a golden carriage of some description that's usually how it works in britain I think there's a there's a thing that'll never go away, obviously, which is anytime military and Germany are connected, people get start getting yeah. getting sort of hepped up, or just like using it as a as a joke, which is understandable. But I just, I, it was the way they were going. Oh, it's so surreal. She chose a song by this woman in the eighties, and I'm like, she did listen to music. She wasn't always like Angela Merkel, yeah, yeah. the chancellor. She was like a human being. But, I mean, it is an interesting choice for sure. Nina Hagen, for those that don't know, is one of the most interesting and eccentric punk rock performers Germany has ever produced. She is a force unto herself. And I think if, you, if you'd ask people beforehand, do you think Angela Merkel is a fan of Nina Hagen? I think a lot of people would be like, no way. It's too, it's too left-wing. It's too crazy. It's too mad. And I thought it was a really wonderful moment that she's like, you think that I'm dull. You think that I'm boring. You think I'm just this like pure scientific diplomat 
but in fact i've got punk rock streaming through my uh my east german veins and i i think it's fantastic a real little peek under the curtain um as a farewell i thought it was a, a very welcome change because she could have just done classic german hymns and everyone would have been like yes that's the right choice um but yeah, she did something for herself and i think it's fantastic nina hagen's awesome crazy I, awesome. that was it i was like it's not it's not it's just not even the weirdest choice that she could have chosen like there's so many like ropey schlager songs and and this is this is a nina hagen song that is schlager essentially i mean that's the the if you listen to it it's essentially a schlager song um and it's all a bit saccharine because again nina hagen wasn't always a punk <laughs> but um the idea that she was somehow a robotic has no emotions and no feelings i mean she's perpetuated that i suppose to a certain extent i just felt it was a bit slow news day you know <laughs> it's like yeah. i say like, oh we don't really have anything going on this week what's happening well angela merkel chose us chose three songs and one of them's a, um, a little bit off considering her personality right let's write seventy thousand words <laughs> oh god here we go internet flooded immediately yeah, the next yeah. day Exactly, exactly. I mean, so that's a that's her off, and Olaf Scholz is is going to take over. I wonder if it starts with a military band. I don't know. Is that is that how he's going to start? Well, I mean, a lot of the suggestions for music that he could pick all have the word robot in them. So <laughs> we'll see what he chooses at the end. Just a medley by Daft Punk. That's yeah. what he's going to have. Craft Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, it was slightly muted because of Corona measures and things. But there was a, a quite hilarious bit that I found at least at the end where they did the military salute, which involved the soldiers taking off their helmets in an ordered fashion. Uh, which was quite impressive. Uh, they did it one-handed while holding their rifles, so applause to them. The the commanding officer then stepped forward and basically just stared down Angela Merkel. <laughs> and it was just like, it went on for way too long for a start. And Angela Merkel could t- tell she was like, where do I look? Oh, I look at the floor. And she looked up at him and was like, no, that's not good. And, I looked up. and he kept staring at her. And then eventually it, it sort of ended and she got in the car and drove away. Does this ceremony come from maybe like a historical, like the military allowing a peaceful transfer of power thing? Nah, I think it's, I Is think it- it's just a, it's just an officially way of doing it. I, I, I can't, yeah. I think it's for, is it not long-term service or something like that? Because, or is it? I think it might just be every chancellor. It just we haven't had a chancellor change over for 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 sixteen years, so we don't really remember what happened last <laughs> yeah. time. But I think all chancellors are given this sort of send off, and it's a way of just giving them some kind of official event and congratulations. Because you don't really have that necessarily. Like this, I mean, tr- Trump. Trump had a version of it on the sixth of January, I guess. But um, we don't like uh, we don't really do that, do you? You know, certainly remembers yeah, the military yeah, yeah. involved. The military, like, no, we're just going to stay out of this one. Um, <laughs> but it's not. It's, it, I, I guess it's just it's just another way of of having some kind of official event. It just it feels more official, I guess, if the military are there or it they've got the military band. I have I have no idea. But it just did seem a little bit incongruous. I, I would agree with that for sure. I have enjoyed the videos of people putting other music over it. Somebody did a the brass <laughs> yes. version of the rude sandstorm, which was yeah was great. I saw that as well and I was like, all right, I, I this is good. Yeah. Meme, prime meme material this, this, this video. I mean let's if we can guess what Olaf Schultz is gonna be when he finishes. In four years yeah. Oh well, that's the question: Is he going to get? Is I he going to get any longer than four years? We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Optimism. I mean, on. I. <laughs> I don't particularly hate the guy. He's all right, probably. I just don't really know much about him except for the Hamburg. You know, as mayor slash governor, prime minister. Mm-hmm. I don't know of Hamburg. 
He's the uh, Burgermeister. Was he the Burgermeister? Because I know Hamburg is also a, a, a Stadtstaat. I was the mayor of mayor of Hamburg. With the whole, what was it? Was the G20 and the mm-hmm. the Polizei Einsatz that happened there? <laughs> with G20, like it's chaos. Like no one yeah, does well at G20. Yeah. It's never yeah. it's never a situation yeah. where it's totally calm and, and nice. Yeah. Okay. That's another good link. Thank you, Tom. Speaking of chaos, <laughs> there was uh, or there have been certainly the last. 24 hours, 48 hours, several protests across the country uh, due to the corona measures that have been introduced in Germany. Uh, in my home city of Augsburg, there was roughly a 1,000 people across two demonstrations. But yeah, it's nice to know where the, where the morons are standing, <laughs> so I don't have to stand next to them. It's been a pickup certainly this week since the government announced uh, that they're thinking or considering the idea of mandatory vaccinations. I think they're looking to Austria to see how it goes there. And there was 40,000 on the streets of Vienna uh, this week protesting against mandatory vaccinations. That's insane. It's really, that's that's a lot. 40,000 in Vienna. That's really... My wife said that, and she said the same thing as you. It's like 40,000. The population of, of Austria is r- roughly, what, 8 million? 40,000 on the streets. Like... I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, like, it just, that doesn't seem like a, a particularly large amount of people to be, it's, it's a large amount in, in, in a yeah, sense of, yeah. it's a large amount of people <laughs> in the, in the grand scheme of things. It, it says very much we're, we're in the minority. Oh, maybe you disagree. No, I mean, it is, it's encouraging that it's not a million, that's for sure. But still, the fact that 40,000 yeah. congregated in, in a city, like, it must have been quite an intimidating experience for the people of Vienna. That, that's not, a, a small protest uh, in a city like Vienna. No, it's not. But it's it's also if if you, your aim is to express the outrage you have over new laws, you'd expect at least a hundred thousand. Yeah, in just one city too. Yeah, you'd expect like then Graz and Innsbruck yeah. to have protests as well. But we're talking like middle in numbers, like it's thousands here, thousands there, and it really speaks to the yeah. the nature of these protests. And Simon actually put me on to something that I hadn't watched, which was a report from Stern. Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so... Oh. I'm not sure yeah. if you watched this, Tom, but it was a report in Stern by uh, Sophia Meyer, uh, and she went to... Where is it? In Saxony, she went? Uh, Zwickau is where it started, yeah. And she basically was interviewing protesters. Uh, it was her, a cameraman, and a, a, a boom mic, and she went out to mm-hmm. interview them. She was really brave. Like I would been. It was incredible bravery. I really huge respect to Sophia Meyer. Yeah, I mean there were a couple of interesting things. Like I mean, obviously Saxon is the hotspot for a couple of things in Germany. It's a hotspot for Corona, but it's also the hotspot for like right wing IFD beliefs. So people that want to go back to the old days of of empire uh, and the Königreich uh, and there seems to have been a crossover with an ugly part of American culture where they were holding empire flags and QAnon flags at the same time. One really nice moment though was one woman holding a QAnon flag was asked what it was and she said it's QAnon so she doesn't (laughs) even know how to say QAnon which was, that made me feel a little bit better about her dedication to that particular cause. But there's this cult that seems to, and there's a few articles I've read about it's the QAnon spreading around Germany in Germany being the largest non-American outlet yeah. for mm. QAnon's conspiracies. I, I always feel bad because I'll make fun of, of queer Dank and his idiots and, and part of me really believes that and another part of me is tempered by the fact that I'm not always a humongous prick and I have empathy <laughs> for people and I understand I understand lots of like information and, and how people's opinions work and freedom of speech and all of that stuff. But these people 
thankfully presented themselves as the the morons that they were and I mean, there was one person who was saying because they they walk around with these imperial flags right and and it's a way of it's because you can't have a yeah, hacking kreutz exactly. you can't have yeah. a swastika because mm. they're they illegal they so yeah exactly yeah. i think they really really would sophia meyer was interviewing her and she said like why are you associating yourself with an imperial flag and she was like oh because we're freer then and she was like you had less rights under the empire than you did now oh no that's not the case <laughs> And the amount of people who were either just like, no, it's not, that's not true, without yep. presenting any evidence, was, was mm. so many people. And the amount of people who would, were scared to speak to her, like they didn't want to speak to her, and they'd be like, oh, no, I'm not going to speak to you. Uh, yeah. And like, kind commentar. Run away. Kind commentar was like the, the phrase that she got the most. And that's just like, I will have the courage of your convictions. If you're going to walk in the protest against corona measures, at least have the balls to say why, you know? But even when they had something to say, it was all just angry plus 40 year old people like i didn't Mm -hmm. see any like young people there it was just loads of plus 40 year old people and we can talk all day about oh well you know facebook and and twitter have have created these places where conspiracy theories spread and i'm like nah at some point you've got to take responsibility for your own stupidity if you don't want to read anything or don't want to like engage with reality then this is what happens right you make a really valid point and that was really the shocking thing about it was like the rudeness of of all the interactions nobody was willing to just like talk about these things everybody took any question as an accusation and reacted as if all their central beliefs were being criticized and yeah their their beliefs were being criticized but they were incapable of actually saying expressing what it was beyond yeah. yeah i mean some of the words they used there was one young girl who 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 called her basically the worst word mm-hmm. you can call another woman in german and she was like why why are you calling me that she's like because of what you're doing what am I doing? You're you're here, and that was that was the end yeah. of it. It was just disgracefully rude. And I, apart from a couple of cities, I'm not going to Saxon in a hurry. <laughs> I reckon you get exactly the same reaction if you went to the protest in Augsburg. I think if you put a mic in people's faces, they would they would say the same thing. Going to Saxony was a little bit of a, a sort of cheat code because everyone's got an opinion about the east of Germany. It's just so much, you know, turned up, the volume is turned up there so much because it's just, it's Saxony. It's kind of, I mean, it goes back to the, what was it, 2016 with that, with these mm. protests against new uh, Bundespolizeigesetze <laughs> and the guy with the, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember, the guy with the funny yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah, I know which it's, one you It's mean. a German meme it. on German Twitter was going crazy for a while. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, I've, I follow the QAnon like, movement via the QAnon Anonymous podcast and a couple other sources. And it's just, I saw it coming here before it really kind of got going here, just because I, I, you know some parts of the population here are just ripe for that. And it's really sad to see it, that it, it took over and it kind of, it's melding with this very kind of far right wing reactionary return, you know, revanchist uh, return to the empire ideals that already existed. And are just being strengthened by this kind of parallel movement of essentially Illuminati beliefs, you know, but like, like I said, if you get a chance, look, look for Sophia Meyer, the, the Stern report. And, and it was, it wasn't enlightening because I knew what I was going to hear when it was going in, but I think it was, it's a real good take on what a lot of mm-hmm. these people are like. And, how um, vacuous their sort of opinions are and how pointless their their arguments are. Yeah, respect to Sophia Meyer once more. Absolutely incredible work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of year again. Not Advent, but it's time for the Deutsche Bier Pokal. Uh, this is a tournament I've been running since last year where we try and find the best beer from all the beers in Germany. And I say all the beers. We had 64 
entrance, which was whittled down through a series of uh, random uh, number generators that I did on the, the internet to get 32 challenges for the title. Uh, last year, it was Augustina Hellas that, that won, which is not really surprising. Uh, we're hoping for a different winner this time round. And I'll just take you through the groups, and then we'll get some opinions on which are the runners and riders for this year's tournament. So Group A is made up of uh, our first alcohol fry entrant, Nordbrow Promilos Alcohol Fry, which I don't expect will do very well. But Rich, former guest on the podcast, uh, is a big fan of. We've got Ratturn IPA, uh, one of a f- couple of IPAs that we are in this year's tournament. We've got the Berliner Kindle Dune, and Hervel's, which is a very popular beer that I know about. Group B is Herbtoyser Pils, Schanzenbräu Road Beer, Faust Hochzeitsbier, and uh, Berg Ulrichs Beer, or Uli as we refer to it around this neck of the woods. Give us an Uli. Uh, group C, Andexer Doppelbock Dunkel. And Union's Friday IPA, which comes in a very fetching red can. Mm-hmm. I think it's the only beer in a can in this tournament. <laughs> People will be disgusted. Bolton's Alt and Waldhaus Owner Filter, which is a pretty a pretty hardcore one. I think the Owner Filter ones, anything that's unfiltered always feels a little bit funny the day after, I feel. Group D is our champion, Augustina Hellas, Moritz Fieger, Paderborner Pilger, and Stortebecker Atlantic Ale, which is another one that's got a lot of uh, a lot of people asking for it, at least. Group E is Filanka Pilsner, Gaffel Weiss, Marsbrau AU, and Iyengar Celebrator Doppelbock. Group F is Uriga Alt, Malzmüller Mühlenkulsch, which is a mouthful, I think we can all agree. Zitschke Kellerbier and Velde Pils from up in Hamburg. Group G, ah, it's my favourite, Roadhouse Tannenzepfler, the other finalist, the defeated finalist from last year's tournament. Potts Landbier, Dittmarsche Dunkel, Fuchschen Alt, that's a hard one to say for my accent. Uh, and Group H <laughs> is made up of uh, Fruer Kolsch, Martin Schlappersepel Specialität. Is that Schlappersepel? Schlappersepel. Yeah, is that right? Did I say it right? Schlappersepel. Schlappersepel. Yeah, Schlappersepp. Yeah, it's bloody hard. Duckstein Weizen and Francis Carner Weissbier Dunkel. So there's your all your challenges. Um, some of them I think will do better than others. But guys, what do you think? Have you got any favourites in there that you think this is going to be the champion this year round? As an experienced beer drinker, I think I my favourite here on the list right here is the Andexa Doppelbach Dunkel. It's my go-to if you're looking for, like, it's pretty high. I think it's like seven or seven and a half percent or something like that. But it is just a really mild, awesomely, slightly spicy or würzige Dunkel. It's such a good beer. And it's Andexa, which comes from Großraum München, those are the region of Munich. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you take the train there and walk up the hill and go to the monastery <laughs> and drink some good cheap beer. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I found that it's a little bit of a, um, it's a little bit of a, like, hipster beer. A lot of people that are sort of here. Andexa. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's sort of the hipster beer of choice, which I thought was funny because it's playing, um, the Union Friday, um, and Union's Friday IPA, which is clearly, mm-hmm. it's an IPA. It's clearly a hipster, the hipster. beer. Yeah. <laughs> Entrant. Yeah. But I felt like it was kind of like the, the beer connoisseur, beer hipster's choice was the Andexa Doppelbock Dunkel. It's such a, it's a great beer. The other ones that I know and, uh, I know well enough to comment on, Schurtebecker Atlantic. I've had a lot of Schurtebecker. Mm-hmm. It's like a bio brauerei, I think, um, cause it's in the Biomarkt here right around the corner. Uh, it's quite nice. Uh, I don't know who it's going up against in the group, uh, but. I, I like it. I think it's a good beer and it's generally a good brewery. <laughs> so I'd support them in their future ventures. And, 
The other comment I have is that I hope Malz Mühle Mühlenkolch and the Merzen Schlappenzeppelspezialität <laughs> both win just so you can say them again. Are you are you just are you just saying that so you can make fun of the fact that I can't pronounce it? Were you, were you damn also perfect wasn't pronunciation? Very good at it either. <laughs> it kind of just molts together in the mouth as it flows. <laughs> yeah. You probably have to have one to be able to pronounce it properly. I really I really hope that Martin goes out in the first round and <laughs> save me a lot of problems going forward. Uh, I mean, that's that's. Um, just think about me. How, how I have to tweet that? That's how many characters? That's almost a tweet on its own. My yeah, God, it's getting close. I would have said the favourite still. I wish you know, Helle, sadly, because I think it's the most well known out of all yeah. German beers. Yeah. But Simon, what do you think? What's your? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of the the second place from last year, the Tannenzepfler. We've talked mm. about it before. It's it's a fantastic beer. Mm. Um, it's the only one that I will buy. Basically, I don't care how expensive it is. Like I'm happy to give Rodhouse my money. Uh, that's fine. It's a beautiful beer. Graphic design is top draw. Taste is excellent. The gold foil is pretty unique. Um, so it's just, it's really, really so good. good. Obviously, being uh, sort of a Nuremberger these days, the Schanzenbräu is, is one of my favorite breweries. Mm. I'm not crazy about the Rod beer myself. Like I had a phase where it's, it's what we drank for a while, but I prefer the, mm. the Helles the Unfiltrier to Hellas is, is beautiful. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Chansonbroy and I hope they do well in this. Yeah, the the Augustina is going to be hard to beat that for sure. It is it's just everyone knows it. It's, it is an excellent beer. It, it just works. And I have to say, the, the Velde Pilz is pretty appealing to me because it has the, one of the most interesting bottles uh, in this. And uh, aesthetics do, do mean something to me when it comes to beer. And it's got some like wavy weird picasso-esque stuff going on which I, I quite dig we'll see we'll see we're only in day two of the tournament so we'll maybe have an update next week and see where we get to servus leute a big thank you to ldem karen and the expat cast for retweeting the show also, an extra big thank you to our Ultras who donated to the show last week. If you'd also like to donate a little something to the podcast, you can do so at coffee.com forward slash decades from home. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag decades from home or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at decades from home. You can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40% German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss.